audio, audio. Tune in, tune in, tune in. What we talking about, bass? Talking about chips, talking about rings. You ain't got them, zip your lip. You got a problem you ever found? Check your grounds. The show about to start. Start. Tune in, 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 tune in. This week in car audio. Welcome to This Week in Car Audio with your host, the judge, Doug Stockton, and your co-host, Lucky McGovern. Going on. Hey, how's our guest this week will be Matt Young from Meckman Alternators. <clears throat> He's going to yeah, talk buddy. to us about uh, supplying power to your amplifiers and your battery banks. And we're going to do power management over the next three weeks is what we're shooting for here. So if you guys are uh, interested and want to find that this is uh, this may be uh, what you guys are interested, please share and like this as fast as you can. If you notice, Lucky's head's down. He's over there sharing this to as many groups as he possibly can. I would appreciate if you guys would also do that. Uh, remember, I can only see your... Um, your uh, posts comments. on your Oops. comments on Sonic FX and also on YouTube, I believe. If you're watching this from YouTube right now, uh, comment something so I could see that your uh, I can see that I can see the post on YouTube. So, um, <laughs> well, <laughs> all right. Yeah. So anyway, uh, let's get this thing going. I'm gonna stop freaking getting messages on that side so I can see I haven't seen anything on the YouTube side yet I don't know if that's something I'm doing or what but or maybe nobody's uh, posted anyway Matt good afternoon sir thank you for joining us today hey thanks for having me cool um, so we're gonna talk about power management like I said over the next couple of weeks that is a important um, important feature in the car audio industry uh, in case you guys don't know it takes power to make power so if you can't provoke uh, so the formula for power is voltage times amperage divided by impedance gives you your wattage that's your total power well if you can't produce voltage and you can't produce wattage or you can't produce one of them then you aren't going to produce the total power so super important you guys need to be able to produce the power and one way to do it and like I always say is start with an alternator Matt so what would your suggestion be to all our base head uh, family out there because I know you uh, run into quite a few of them with your uh, big badass alternators well you know I would just say try and run the biggest alternator that you can that will that your board your belt will support you know, certain vehicles, you know, if it's a CRX with a three rib drive belt on it, you can only run so much uh, amperage, uh, X size alternator before the belt starts smoking. And I'm sure you've seen in lanes many times over the years, you know, somebody starts hammering on it and, and you just hear it squealing and, you know, smell belt smoke and all that. So try and run the biggest alternator that's reasonable for your application. And also try and run as much battery capacity as you can fit in the vehicle as well. The alternator and the, and the batteries work together, obviously. You know, they kind of, you kind of have to have both. Some people think you can just run a gigantic alternator and kind of skip over the battery capacity. But, but you really need both for the system to work well, especially musically. 
Okay. Um, one of the things I did have a question about um, is so with lithium batteries, I know on the so I have a boat. I got a 48 uh, 48 volt motor on the back. I got a 36 volt trolling motor, and then I got 12 volt audio and you know gauges and st you know stuff like that on my boat. So I have three different systems: 12, 36, and 48. Um, the thirty. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Just because I live on a lake that I fish for bass, like I, I live, I live on the water too, and I have, oh. we have bass tournaments come through our dock, like fish my dock all the time. So. Oh, that's awesome. So anyway, so um, so I need a special uh, a special charger to charge my lithium batteries. Um, yep. How does that work with a alternator in a car? Because a lot of our guys are switching to the lithium batteries nowadays. It's absolutely the same scenario, and and I lo I love that you touching on this because there's a lot of disinformation on there regarding alternators charging voltage lithium batteries you have people building their own lithium cells mm -hmm. you know people using cmax using you know yinglong all these different combinations and also you know home-built batteries depending on how they series parallel them together that's going to determine the ultimate charging voltage and a lot of people don't know a lot of people you know oh my buddy built this lithium pack in his garage and it's like some it needs like around 16 volts well what does it need exactly you know, so and, and right. sometimes, well, let me call my buddy and see what it says. That's one problem that we see with the proliferation of lithium batteries and car audio. The other problem that people don't recognize is lithium batteries cells require a very specific rate of charge. Mm -hmm. They need three-step charging, you know, constant amperage, then constant voltage, regulated amperage, and then a trickle charge at the end. Because they can, they can, the inrush current absorption rate of lithium batteries is so high and also they can discharge a ton of current really rapidly as well. So, I mean, there are companies that make a, a sophisticated thermally regulated three-stage charger, you know, that you can modify an alternator to use. It's a $900 voltage regulator made right. by a Marine, made by a Marine company. Nobody wants to spend the $900 for the regulator and nobody wants to take the alternator apart and solder stuff to things to make all that work. So how you get around that, you know, for your average base head, you know, that just wants to put a lithium battery bank in their vehicle, how you do that is self-control and the volume knob. <laughs> you know, you, <laughs> and of course, as we all know, that's the, one of the hardest things to do in this industry. But if you want to make your lithium cells last and you want to make your alternator last, you can jam on it super hard, you know, for burps and things like that, competition not a not a deal but if you're going to do music if you're going to do you know any type of musical class or or just demo for somebody you know in a really gnarly system your best bet is to play it for five minutes let the vehicle continue to run with the knobs turned down volume turned down let the let the alternator bring your battery bank back up before before the batteries get heavily discharged that's a good way to keep heat out of the cells it's also a good way to keep heat out of the alternator I mean, it's just common sense. It also keeps yeah. out your voice coils, amplifiers, unless you like rebuilding subs. <laughs> well, well, Lucky's trying to learn about that rebuilding thing. So. Yeah, oh, yeah. Sure. It, it, I don't, man, it gets old for me. Like, I don't, I got tired of cutting, you know, running an angle grinder and reconing subs at shows, 
you know, many years ago. So, so reconing them is not a big deal. It's the angle grinder cleaning it up that sucks bad. Yeah, yeah, breathing that stuff in, all that CA glue. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm glad you touched on, like you said, you know, it, it, the important part is the correct voltage. Like, so I have a 48 volt battery um, for my boat, two of them actually, and so they like to charge at 53.8 volts. But you know, once it you hits know, that point, then it wants to die off, right? right. And then you so got to hit know, the tricklet. So you know the voltage that it needs. The problem right. is a lot of customers don't. You know, like it's like a 12 volt, 14 volt, 16 volt, you know, car yeah. audio application. We just, we ask the customer, what, what voltage do you require? Right. And a lot of times they don't know. Yeah. So, so that to me was the biggest problem that I saw with, um, integrating lithium is, so these guys build these, uh, battery banks and they are intending to, you know, float maybe 13.2 volts or 13.6 or something right right so they're they're intending it to float at a range but as i mentioned before um is you know i know that i need a i need a significantly larger voltage to charge that and so i was wondering how these guys were creating the voltage they needed uh to do that without frying their system because you know, say you got to turn it up to 24 or 25 volts to get that 15 volt charge. And if you do that, what happens to your ECM, right? Well, well okay, so I can speak on that for sure. Okay. Um, I mean, lithium, lithium batteries are, are by now really popular. Everyone mm -hmm. has them, you know. Um, the majority of them, I would say, charge somewhere between 14 and a half volts and maybe 16 and a half volts. I would say 95% okay. of your setups are going to charge in, in that range. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's really not that big of a deal. We have a, a product. It's a little resistor plug that plugs into the alternator. It's like 30 bucks and it boosts. And this is for certain applications. Every application is different. Some vehicles you can manipulate, you can boost the charging voltage. Mm -hmm. uh, other vehicles you can't. It just depends on, on what it is. But most applications you can plug in, you can custom order an alternator from us. You can say, hey, I have these lith this lithium battery bank and it wants to see 15.8 volts. That's probably your most common charging voltage that you see today, that we see today. Okay. We have a little product, it's a little resistor thing, plugs in there, boosts the charging voltage up to 15.8 volts. Doesn't damage the vehicle at all in any way. Obviously, if you're talking about 5 volts or something like that, that's a whole different story. The vehicle's not going to be happy with that. But most right. vehicles will tolerate 15.8 volts without damaging anything. Well, and then if you need, Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, so we found out when we went to the 16-volt systems on these cars, they would handle pretty much that 16 volts, but that was really their limit, you know, because I've been competing since uh, 99, I believe, and that was when we were kind of developing, you know, we were all using the Trojan batteries, right? So you'd use eight of those things or whatever you have to use to get your uh, amperage. So these would be golf cart batteries, they'd be slow drain batteries, um, and you definitely charge them differently than off your alternator. So we would always literally disconnect the system from the, uh, from the alternator, and we would have a uh, isolated charger off to the side just to charge those golf cart batteries. Um, and so that's, like I said, so i am uh, been doing this a long time. Um, I started, whoa, your lights went out. <laughs> You aren't moving enough. Um, so they, uh, with that, you know, I was always kind of curious 
uh, you know, like I said, but I mean, you answered it pretty well. So your your alternators are um, you can design them when somebody purchases one to charge their bank of batteries, right? Right. Yeah. Right. The other. Uh, hang on. <laughs> so what's yours charge at, Lucky? Fifteen eight. Fifteen nine. Just just like he said, huh? Right. Yep. You're right there. Yep. Now, is that because you, you bought a specific ECM for your um, or a BMS uh, for your bank of batteries that made them want to see fifteen eight? Or was that how someone designed your battery bank? No, I, I got the uh, self-regulated or the um, we were just talking about externally this, uh, regulated ex external. Yeah, there you go. Right. So Chris Jenner is the one who hooked those up for me because uh, normally I was doing uh, 14, eight and then we wanted to bump it up to 15, eight, 15, nine. OK, yeah. so, so yeah, external external regulation is uh, another option. Uh, you know, I was that's talking the about that. yeah. well, uh, uh oh, uh -oh. I, I'm a big fan of that because you can always turn it down. Yeah, that's true. That's true. However, the, the external regulators that are available on the market right now are not super reliable. And also, if you if you don't if you don't install them exactly correct, like every every show that we go to, we sell thirty ex replacement external regulators for <laughs> people. For, I mean, they're not they're not even our alternators, you know, just because they burn them up in the lanes, you know, they weren't you know hooked up correctly or whatever. And and also, they're not super awesome to begin with. We're working on we're actually working with Tony to do more, you know, you know, who built the Diamond Box and all okay. that. Uh -huh. He's designed a, a regulator circuit for us, you know, better mousetrap type idea, more reliable, beefier. You know, we're, we're working on that right now. Hope that it'll come out in the next couple of months. But, uh, but yeah, external regulation is what the route that you would want to go if you need higher voltage, other higher than 15.8 volts. 15.8 is about the most that you can achieve by using the, the you know, diode plug, you know, to, to boost it. So if you if you have a battery pack, seventeen volts, let's say, or I mean, like so, the, like the old sixteen volt batteries needed nineteen point two volts to fully charge. Right. So which is about that's approaching the limit. You know, the most most alternators have avalanche diodes that start to collapse around twenty two, twenty three volts. So that's kind of basically on a twelve volt alternator, it's kind of the max. Is my and nineteen point two will start popping incandescent light bulbs headlights instrument lights things like that that's so, awesome let's see some of that <laughs> oh i've seen it many times it shows. and wow. it's not so cool when it's your own stuff doing it though yeah well you we explain to customers hey guys you know that's really not a you know everyone thinks a 16 volt battery will yield them 16 volts to their amplifiers the biggest the craziest thing you see a lot of like korean amps you know they'll go into protect at 16.3 and yep. people go, oh, well, I'll buy, I'll buy 16 volt batteries. It'll be great. Well, for them to be fully charged, it's got to be 19. So yep. it puts them in a over protect. Right. So they have, they can't charge the batteries while they're playing their system. They have to turn, turn the system off, then run the vehicle in 19 volts to fill the batteries back up. And so that's yep. a lot of so, something people don't consider. Well, okay. So the high end car audio comp competitors, that's one thing we definitely, um, we have to worry about right because in db drag you have a voltage limit of 18 volts so it's super easy when you're running a 16 volt system to exceed that 18 volts and quite often they'll have to bleed off their system to be right at that 18 volts to run their run but you got to watch out because if you supercharge your batteries 
they'll have a float charge that goes above that their nominal charge. And so, so it might hear, float at 18.3. So you're, you'll hear guys burp just a little bit to yep. bring that surface charge down in the lanes. Yep. To, but, you know, to get down where they want to be. Yeah, but, but you do also have to understand that just because you burped it, it might want to float back up to that 18.3. So that's something they got to be really careful of. And um, just like I said, it's um, the the power management is a big deal. Like I said, you're it's a multiple. Voltage and amperage are multiples. Impedance is a divisor. So, you know, when you're running at 8 ohms on a sub, you're going to kill the power that you're getting out of that amp. You know, if your box rises eight times or nine times, I mean, you're going to kill the power. If you're not producing enough voltage, not producing enough enough amperage, you're not going to you're not going to get what you want. Now, with the lithium, my understanding of what how these systems are designed now, like I said, I haven't competed since 2005 ish. But with these lithiums, my understanding is. Uh, the so back in 2005, we would need that alternator to be going to refresh our batteries during the run, during the burp, because we were instantaneously re relieving it, re you know, removing all the energy out of those batteries. We needed to get back in to finish our burp. Uh, now I'm seeing a lot of guys with the cars off because the, it, it becomes, that battery bank becomes their sole source of amperage. Yeah, that is, that is absolutely correct. The majority of our like burp customers are gonna just hot charge the thing, the lanes right before you know, and that's and there again that goes back to math. You know, back in the day, you're working you know series paralleling golf cart batteries to right. arrive at a six essentially a 16 volt battery. Mm -hmm. um, nowadays, you can configure lithium cells, but like if you're maxed out at 18 volts, you can arrive at a, at a lithium cell combination where you, that you can charge at like maybe 18.5. So that when you come in to do in the lanes to do your burp, you're right at that 18 volt threshold, and you're not going to go over over voltage and blow the run. If that if that makes any sense. No, and I think that's what that's what most people are doing so, nowadays. So, uh, before we start hitting some of these questions in the comments, I'm sure uh, Lucky's seen one at least. I've seen a couple over here on the uh, face on the YouTube side. Um, so uh, I was a physics major in college. Um, so I was looking at alternators as they are a limiting factor um, in producing power. And I was looking at a generator because I had a 56 Pontiac and it was a generator, six volt system generator. Um, with a generator, the faster you wind it, the more power it produces, right? So well, it's, still, it's still regulated, but and also- Yeah, but you, you can remove the regulation in those fairly easy where an alternator, uh, because of the design, um, you're, you're, you're more limited. Uh, but when I was thinking of this, I was like, man, you can blow some stuff up really quick with a generator if you try to start screwing with the regulation on it. Well, I mean, I, so I daily drive a Chrysler with a 35-amp generator on it, power yeah. string pump driven off the back of it. Oh, um, there you go. I drove it to work today. <laughs> so any, anyways, um, you know, you have such any automotive generator i mean yeah you could buy like a permanent magnet generator like this big right like off that you would have on a gasoline driven gener you know right. field generator you could you know but not i don't believe that there's any advantage to that i think probably from an spl standpoint or musical standpoint you're going to be better served to just build a really 
well-engineered battery bank and have a nice alternator set up to keep that bank charged. I, I would agree with that in today's technology. Yeah. So, Lucky, you seen any questions up there that you'd like to? Um, Stephen said, uh, what type of brand of chargers are recommended? Uh, so, a Mechman alternator. Well, well for <laughs> what, I, well, I mean, it's, I can't, you know, I'm not a, a bad, I know a lot yep. about batteries, but I'm not a battery expert. I think yep. I, would, I would say that's a question for whoever manufactured your battery, that yep. type of. And, and we plan on getting Scotty Johnson on here soon, um, speaking directly to the um, the excess power lithium batteries. So he would be a much better uh, person for that question, I would say. And generally speaking, a, a three a three stage charger. I, I would just buy the charger from who you buy the battery bank from, and yep. you'll probably be in pretty good shape. Because they design them together, obviously. Okay, so over here, SQ Sounds, uh, they're from Bridgetown, Barbados. I don't know if you already have a uh, distributor or whatever out there. Uh, they distribute to quite a few of the uh, islands out there in the, um, in the Bahamas. Uh, anyway, so he says, uh, Matt, can you explain how you should choose alternator for your car or for the system that you're running? And does choosing the right alternator correspond to the CCs of the engine size? Yes, it, it, absolutely. That's a great, that's a great question. Okay. And I kind of go, when we were speaking before we got live here, um, you don't want to, everyone wants to put the biggest and the baddest, everything they can, biggest amplifier, biggest woofers, biggest batteries, biggest alternator they possibly can. That's not always a good idea. So we don't, we do not have a distributor in Barbados. We do in, in, you know, Trinidad and some other areas in the, in the, in the Bahamas. But um, a lot of those, the majority of those islands it's mostly Japanese imports, you know, some Europeans, it's like 1.3 liters, 1.5 liters, generally small four cylinder engines. And absolutely, you know, like back in the, you remember, you know, in the early competition days, CRX was the, the car to build, you know, right. they're loud, you know, and they had a three rib serpentine belt on them and a 1.5 liter engine. And you put a 400 amp alternator, not only is it going to melt the belt off from belt slip, because the more amperage you make, the more, Horsepower has to be transmitted through the belt, but it also stall the motor. It'll stall the motor out. Yep. So absolutely, yeah. It would. It would. That type of situation, you'd be better served having that same 400 amp housing, but detuned to maybe 200 amps. So because the the less peak output that you make, the more low RPM output you make. You can almost think of it like an, an engine in a car, putting a huge camshaft in the engine. Yeah, it'll make more power at really high RPM, but then it doesn't do anything below 3,000 RPM. Right. So you absolutely, you want to, you know, bigger is not always, the biggest number is not always better. You know, like, so for like a CRX, a 200 amp, one of our elite series units, 1.5 liter engine, you can also run a bigger pulley because you don't have to spin, you don't have to spin it quite as fast to achieve output. The larger surface area of contact and that larger diameter pulley belt slip so and once the belt starts slipping you don't get the extra power anyways right so that's that's probably my if i make one point in this entire conversation it would be that bigger is not always better and once the if you have belt slip you're you're not getting anywhere you know it's the belt slip issue first Yep. So we get guys that compete in the lanes all the time and they start railing on their end and all I can hear is ee! the whining of the belt. And I'm just going, 
you don't even understand that you're not getting anything out of that. It, it, yeah, you're doing only, absolutely not nothing. Not that, once you're done with your run and you're picking pieces of shredded belt out of the engine, <laughs> and, you know, and they're all they're all flustered, and so I'm sure you've yeah. a thousand times. And, and so, um, like I said, so uh, oh, through no. through high school, I took um, um, whoa, I hear back. Yes, yeah, we're. Um, through high school, I hear uh, uh, I took automotive for four years through high school. And um, one thing that we learned back in the this, so this is back in the early 80s. Right. So back then we learned that, um, you know, you can crank your engine as much as you want, but your alternators at roughly eighteen hundred to twenty one hundred. You got the most you were going to get out of those alternators anyway, as far as RPMs. Is that well, still the case now or? No, not not really. Uh, I would say peak output on any, whether it be one of our six-phase alternators or most of our competitors, a lot of them are built very similarly nowadays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Find something that works, right? Hey, you know, it's it, competition is healthy for uh, for development, and uh, you know, it's fine. Mm-hmm. They can chase us, and we'll just do. <laughs> so, yeah. But, but yeah, no, tip, generally speaking, I think peak output's around 12 RPM shaft speed. I'm sorry, you broke up there. 20 what? About 12,000 RPM alternator shaft speed. Oh, okay. Really peak output. Uh, most vehicles have a three to one pulley ratio. So the alternator, uh-oh. Yeah, I'm with you. You still hear me? Okay, yeah. I just got a internet connection warning here. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, so three to one pulley ratio. So divide 12 by three, you know, about 4,000 RPM engine speed. That's going to be your peak output on on most vehicles. That varies. You know, yeah. some cars might be a two and a half to one pulley ratio. Right. Some vehicles like GM trucks are a four pulley ratio with alternator on them. Right. And you can also adjust that with the size of the pulley. But right. once again, as we've discussed in other podcasts, you only have, say, 100 hit points in something. So if you change the size of the pulley, you're going to lose horsepower to get that extra RPM you need on the shaft. Yeah, right. well, and, and you, yeah, you lose surface area of contact. And right. you're also spinning the, you know, if the engine is a high RPM engine, you don't have four to one, you know, you don't want to spin it over about 6,000 RPM. Otherwise, the alternator is going to be overspun. Well, and and also, but in in DB drag and um, most stereo competitions, we have a limiting factor of two thousand RPM. Sure. So, uh, so they figure six thousand RPM, you're going to be you know close to peak output. The the difference between four thousand RPM shaft speed and twelve thousand RPM shaft speed is about fifteen percent total oh. alternator output. So gotcha. it's not a big. It's not a huge difference. So it's, so it's an exponential curve, right? As you as you yeah. get higher on your thing. It it died. Yeah, yeah it just flattens out. Can, yeah, you can go to our website and you can look at output curves on there, and it, it, you can chart RPM and all that. Just divide your crankshaft pulley diameter by your alternator pulley diameter. That'll give you your ratio. Is that, that a little? Inches. Is that a little too technical for you, uh, Lucky? You think? <laughs> do, do you think? Well, well, we have a we have uh, you know if you go to the top of the Mechman website. There's a little thing that says technical resources. Mm-hmm. And we have some really nice articles on there with pictures and diagrams and everything that makes it really simple for people to be able to. I'm not calling you simple, Lucky. Really. No, no, no. <laughs> no, but, no, but, you know, I was like, hey, give me some grams and everything, the pictures and boxes. Yeah, and I'll get it. But uh... no, there, there, are, there are some excellent resources at the top of the Mechman website, www.mechman.com 
technical resources and there's also an instructions tab on there. I don't know how many times a day we have people calling. We have actually have a really good tech department. We have three guys working the tech lines and a lot of our competitors have no tech department. Some have a phone number. So they'll call in and they'll be like, oh, I got this alternator. Uh, what, you know, how do I change the pulley or what should I do this or what is that? Like, okay, well, what part number is it? You know, what, what's your <laughs> name? And then, well, <clears throat> it's not a MechMan alternator. I'm like, what? <laughs> We usually we usually end up helping them anyways, you know, try and be a good sport, you know. But but there are some good resources, whether it's a MechMan alternator or not. Those articles are still useful. Yes. And so are you catching any questions over there on the other side? I've seen a few pop up. Um, if you seen them, go ahead and uh, run them because I'm scrolling back and forth. Okay. But what, uh, Justin but what Stolen Matt, had some, but go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I was talking to Matt uh, when we were backstage waiting for all this. And mm -hmm. some of my questions were like the power runs, you know, because I, I have people that tell me, you know, you know, run three or four power runs from your alternator back to the battery bank and this and that, you know. And so if you want to talk on that, what we were talking backstage about, I'm sure people would want to hear their, uh, your ideas on that. So, yeah, for, for sure. Um, you know, people love cable. Everyone wants to have really pretty, perfectly groomed six runs running from everything. Lucky's you know, one of them. Yeah, no, I, do, I don't. I don't. I don't. No, no, no. You have plenty in the back of your car. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, look yeah, pretty yeah. in the back, right? Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah. we're talking from the alternator back to okay. the lithium. Yeah. Yes. So so to try and, and rehash what we talked about before, to try and be brief so I don't eat up the whole time. But, um, you know, batteries can discharge amounts of current to the amplifiers. Alternators are going to only make but, you know, like, let's say a, a small battery could potentially discharge 2,000 amps of current. So that's why it makes more sense to run multiple runs of cable off your battery to your amplifiers. Alternate, like a 400 amp alternator at a 15 foot run, like the length run, roughly, that's about 15 feet. Right. A single run of pure copper, zero gauge, positive and ground from the alternator directly to the positive and negative terminals of the should be sufficient. If someone really wants to go overkill, they could do two positive, two runs ground, and that would be okay. But when I see people running four, six runs off these billet, you know, adapter terminal blocks off of an alternator, the, the reason why that's not a good idea is because there's so much weight, you know, from the cable and vibration and everything, the alternator being on the engine and vibrating and all that, it can work the output stud loose or break the rectifier. And people say, oh, well, you should just make the rectifier beefier or make the output stud bigger or whatever. It's as good as you can make it, basically. And, and no matter what alternator you buy, we all use more or less the same rectifier, same output, for the most part. Right. Most modern car audio alternator manufacturers do. And also that ingot, that huge aluminum chunk you have hanging off that output stud, if mm. you did happen to break that, it did break the work the stud loose or break that uh rec stud is pressed into and it shorts that touches the alternator housing or anything on the engine now you have a, now you're lighting up six runs of zero gauge or you just burn your car down yeah so it's just and, and it's not necessary it's you're not gonna have any like encourage people to try and try it with one run positive and ground directly from the alternator to the terminals of the closest battery and then run, fire the vehicle up, bring the engine to 2,000 RPM, 
measure the output, you know, voltage at, you know, we turn and put a, you know, a test tone track in there, you know, peak uh, hertz, crank it all the way up to a comfortable volume level and just let it load the system down and do a voltage drop test between the alternator and the battery, you know, record, you know, probe the output stud of the alternator, ground it to the housing of the battery, record that, do the same test, probe the positive terminal of the battery and the negative terminal, the closest battery, record that, then measure the inputs, the amps in the back. I bet you're not going to see, you might see drop between the battery and the amplifier, depending on how many runs you have going there. But I don't believe you're going to see that much voltage drop between the alternator and, and the battery, if that makes well, sense. Well, yeah. So the difference is, though, is your alternator's force feeding those batteries. And so it's it's driving the, the voltage and the amperage. I mean, it's driving it. Um, for lack of a better term, imagine you got a compressor behind a garden hose pushing that versus you have a vacuum on the end of the garden hose pulling it is what the amp does. So instead of force feeding the batteries, it's pulling from the batteries. So it doesn't have the same type of force pushing it through the wires. That's why when you add batteries that way, or I'm sorry, when you add uh, wires on the batteries, I went through, this is, like I said, this is back in the day. So I had a 1100 CCA battery that I would use for my competition. I got up to six positive and six negative one-aught cables running from my battery to my amps, and I continually gained power every time. Um, yeah, you will with batteries. Yes, because, because the way it pulls it, it's not force-fed into the amp. The amp's really trying to pull hard, and that's why amps heat, that's part of the reason amps heat up is when they convert that energy and pulling that. I mean, it, it, it takes energy to make energy. So. Well, I mean, 400 amps, if you like, you don't have to take my word for it, like yeah. LeVar Burton. I don't know how many people, <laughs> I don't know how many people watching this know who LeVar Burton is. Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. Goody. Next generation. That's yeah, right. Yeah, Blind you know, boy. Now, now he's doing all the ads on that Trek, Star Trek online game on Facebook. I don't know if oh. you've seen that in your feed. No. He's like, he looks like he's about 70 now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he probably is. In any case, um, now like 400 amps at 15 feet through pure copper zero gauge cable, you're not going to see that much drop. Batteries can can discharge way more than 400 amps. Like even just a regular old Walmart battery, if if everything's right, and like you were talking about impedance right. earlier, now if everything's right and there's low resistance and the amplifier can accept it and you know all the planets align and everything's perfect. A battery for for a three second for a three second burp could discharge maybe sixteen hundred amps or something like that. So that's why you see by adding additional runs of cable. The, but the moral of the story: run from the alternator to your closest battery. Use the battery terminals as a junction point. Crap loads of cable off the batteries back to the back to the uh, amplifier. Uh, 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 Woody McDonald puts on here, haha, reading Rainbow Guy. So that's right. <laughs> That's yes. where he got his start. There's old, there's old guys, old guys on here. Yep, that's right. No, we have we have a, quite a few guys in our age range. You know, uh, mid to late forties. That te seems to be our typical demographic. We do have obviously some younger people watching, um, and and like I said, the the whole goal of this program and whatnot is to educate people and make them better at competing. Also, get them involved in the car audio industry, and we always want their cars to be safe. Um, kind of. We don't uh, 
kind of. We we, we well, we don't ever say add fusing, but we don't discourage it. Can I, can I, can I make a comment about fusing? Sure, sure, go ahead. Yeah, so we get, that's a, another big question regarding okay. alternator installations. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have any problem with fusing at all. I mean, I you know, realize I understand why people want to not do it to try and get that extra one hundredth of a volt, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and that's that's at their discretion to do that. But if you are going to fuse the the main positive charge cable between the alternator and the positive terminal of the battery, it's as close to the battery terminal as possible. Because you're really fusing the battery. You're not Correct. fusing. If you take if you as soon as that fuse pops, if, let's say you got in a car accident and you positive alternator charge cable, and you didn't have a fuse there, it could cause a fire. You know, if you pinch that alternator to ground, it's going to light up like a Christmas tree. If you have a fuse there right next to the battery terminal, it'll pop that battery terminal. The alternator will just stop producing current, and then everything's good. So, so you're really fusing the battery. The alternator doesn't per se have to be fused. You're just interrupting that that uh, pathway from the alternator to the battery, essentially. Okay. Uh, you got anything else on your side there yet, Lucky? Or um. So in case you guys didn't know, Lucky's not uh, Lucky. Lucky's not feeling very well today, uh, so he's kind of in and out of it. He's. Uh, he, I almost wasn't even going to do this, this podcast. I've been not feeling well today, very dizzy, just very disoriented. So sorry, I'm not talkative at all. But uh, I, I'm here. I'm trying. Well, he he felt it was super important to be on here with Matt. He runs the Mechman. I run Mechman. I swear by Mechman. Yep. So I had to be on here. But yes, I'm just I'm not myself today. Let me tell you. Yep. Uh, Justin Stolman said, "What if I have a fully built uh, GSR that makes over 200 horsepower and your 2000 Honda Civic SI 1.81 with a set? Jesus Christ, dude!" Thank <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I, can already, I already know where he's going with that. I, just, <laughs> I, I would go with a 170 amp six phase unit with a big pulley on it. Okay. He's making good power with with that Honda engine. He's probably spinning it to about 8,000 RPM, something like that. Actually, that's what he said in there. Yeah, I I know I do this every day. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, you want to. Yeah, two two and a half inch pulley on the all. That's a four rib uh, belt application. So there again, belt slips a problem. I do a two and a half, 170 amp alternator with a two and a half inch pulley in, in a sit one of our six phase units specifically because they make really good output at low RPM. Oh. So you can run that bigger. You actually have a 2.9 inch pulley too. If it's if it's nine, some of those guys run nine or ten thousand. So that's that's what you would want to do. Um, you don't want to put a super alternator on there because it's just going to slip the belt. So, so what about rotary engines? I mean, because those things are designed just to uh, crank forever, right? So yeah, what do you ten thousand RPM all day long? Yeah. So what what do you guys do for rotary engine vehicles? We, we used to we used to build stuff for rotaries back in the day. We've since discontinued it just because the demand. It's a small market. It's a small it's a small market, um, but it's same exact concept. You know, maybe one hundred and seventy amp six. We used to build alternators for a company called Extreme Rotaries in Australia, and they their whole front of the engine was billet they do three rotor combinations and all kinds of craziness but um yeah you just you want to run like a, a two two to one 2.5 to one pulley ratio so gotcha. you're keeping all you want to keep the alternator 20,000 rpm shaft speed essentially okay. so if you're spinning mm -hmm. the engine 10,000 rpm you want to have a two to one ratio okay 
uh, from Bridge, Bridgetown Barbados again. Uh, Tristan's on here. Um, so he asked, uh, uh, what got you into manufacturing alternators and how the name Mechman came to be? Well, uh, I've been racing my entire life. I started across. Now we campaign a couple off-road race cars. I drag raced for 17 years. Did an SPL, you know, built the hearse and all, all that stuff. Um, I came, when I moved here to Knoxville, I actually went to work for Powermaster Alternators 16 years ago, and they bought Mechman, Mech, uh, that sh that's short for the Mechanical Man, a man named Dennis Moore. You can read about this on the About Us section on mechman.com. Dennis, I think, is 83 years old this year. Still part of the company? Yeah, yeah, awesome. he does our, like, he's, he's working with Tony and Moore on the uh, regulator circuit. Okay. So, um, yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, he's essentially, you know, partially retired, but he just kind of plays with the projects that he likes, you know, right. but he started the company in 1978 in Southern California. There we go. Our master bought it. They put me in charge of, uh, managing it, running it for a couple of years. And then the folks that own power master retired and they gave me the opportunity to buy Mechman. And of course, Scotty, I don't know if you know this, but Scotty in excess power. Scotty at that time bought excess power as well. Same time. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that was the same time that you, you bought yours. He bought excess power. Yeah. Scotty is down the road for me. Oh, does he? Yeah. <laughs> no, Scotty's a good guy. Um, you know, uh, I met him. He was a competitor at world finals and I, I think Scotty, I can't remember if he was the one with the white van with the white van with all crossfire. Right. So the, okay. So I got to tell you, the first day I met Scotty, 2005 World Finals uh, death match. Okay. So he's running all catch fire, right? Catch fire? Yeah. We call it catch fire back then. I think I, think I was there in 2006. I think it was when all the MDF, all the MDF dust was running out the corners of the doors. and <laughs> So anyway, so we're doing the death match, and he opens up the back of his, uh, his van, right? And I'm, I got, because it was my second year at World Finals, so I was the um, uh, the nozzle guy, right, for the fire extinguishers. So I was standing behind it, and he goes, if my car, if those amps catch on fire, let it burn to the let ground. Let that fucker burn. Let it burn to the ground. I don't want you to put that crap in my car. <laughs> was, that when, was that when he won the uh, Malibu Max? Uh, to be honest with you, I don't remember. I just that was my first time I met him, and it was it was he's like, "Don't you dare put that fire extinguisher in my car. If it catches on fire, you let this thing burn to the ground." And not those kind of words, though. <laughs> right. Well, he wouldn't. He doesn't really speak like that. Really, I know. I've known. I've known Scotty a long time. So, but no, Scotty's good. We we plan on having him on the show here coming up soon. He's really busy with inventory and just got back from Vegas for SEMA. And he's like, hey, I just, I'm really busy right now, but I'm definitely, you know, we're going to set him up because uh, we would like to talk to him, you know, specifically on the battery side, right, with the excess power. Um, once again, he's coming from a uh, standpoint of he was a competitor for years and at the highest level. And, you know, he got into the industry and now he helps and supports the people that are up and coming at the highest level in the industry, which is awesome. Yeah, now he's a good dude. Yeah, he absolutely is. Catching anything over there yet, Lucky? Or is Justin, Justin is stolen uh, with that fit in the stock mount. 
Oh, yeah, he wants to know if that'll fit in his stock mount, or would he have to yeah. alter his mount to fit that GTI? That was a – well, I thought it was an Acura Integra. Or did I get uh, – Let's see. Fully built GSR. Oh, GSR. Honda, Honda, uh, 2000 Honda Civic. Okay. Well, so we have the beautiful billet Honda pieces, but the problem is when you start mixing and matching, doing the – you know – B18 GSR head Frankenstein motor and, and all this stuff. We, I can't really guarantee. We actually discontinued. We used to offer them for all like the 96 or 2000 Civics and early Integras and all that stuff. And we, we actually discontinued them because people were mixing and matching so many parts. They would try and put the alternator in there and it wouldn't fit because there's a did this alternator bracket on this engine block and this, that. So we actually if everything were normal and factory, they bolt directly in. It's a beautiful machine billet aluminum piece. But I guess my answer would be no. Because we just <laughs> don't have because we don't have time to you know what I'm saying? Like yes. we, we ship we ship a hundred alternators a day. So we just we really Jeez. can't jack around with it's like kind of like they the customer has to figure it out on their own. Yeah, essentially. When if you've got a mo engine swap thing, yes. We do if you have modified thing, engine bay, right? We we do when you're stacking aftermarket this on this and that and this these cylinder heads and you know V8 guys are the worst. Like the guys with the you know square body Chevy cars, they're all maybe an LS engine swap or maybe they're <laughs> using a, maybe they're using a small block Chevy engineer, accessory drive system on the front or a March performance. You know, there's thirty different. We, we build mostly alternators for those companies, but we ask these guys and we say, hey, first, if someone says, hey, I got a 78 Caprice with, uh, you know, 6,000 watts in it, and it's, it's got a 400, you know, or, or even better than that, it's got a, uh, you know, LS3 in it. Right. Go, okay, well, we, well, which accessory driver are you running on the front of the engine? And they go, it's LS. They're all the same. Well, they're not all the same <laughs> at all <laughs> there's about 15 different ls alternator bolt patterns available yeah so to say hey just if you're not sure what you're working with or your cousin built or whatever it is or it's junkyard swap or whatever whatever the scenario is just take a picture to us we'll visually identify it for you and let you know what fits in there yeah so, so i yeah. stack and aftermarket parts and all these things you know it's easy for things to not fit no, so that I run into that. So I have a 74 Trans Am with a 71 Pontiac 350 in it. Um, but I have a, what, 2020 uh, aftermarket uh, fuel injection system on top of that. You know, it's 480 horses. It, you know, there's not a whole bunch of stock in there. And so I go to Cragen and I need a part, right? And they're like, oh, so what engine do you have in what car? I'm like, dude, that doesn't mean anything to me. My car's way beyond that point at this, you know, at this juncture. Right. So. Well, when in doubt, send pictures. That's right. <laughs> I mean, I have a, I have a, a either five or $6,000 uh, two-speed transmission because I bought it from the racetrack. So it's got a racing transmission. It's got fast and faster. The only two speeds it has doesn't have overdrive. None of that. Yeah. So it's got a power glide, but it doesn't have overdrive. Doesn't have none of that crap. Right. And uh, so, yeah. So when I go to, um, you know, to get a new filter for it or whatever, like, what do you dude? Okay. I need a turbo 350 transmission parts. 
but that's not what I got, but that's, you know, what I have to sure. tell them because uh, otherwise it just confuses the guys at the parts store because, yeah. you know, they're not paid well, so. <laughs> right. And like I said, you start stacking all kinds of different yep. aftermarket stuff. There's no way they could really know, you know. Yep. Oh, yeah, I have a shortened shaft on my, you know, for my uh, driveline. So it's a shortened aluminum shaft. Yeah, like I'm going to go to Craig and say, yeah, I need a 42-inch shaft for, you know, and they're like, well, why is that 42 inches? You know, don't worry about it. That's not what I'm asking you for. Hey, that's, that's, why don't you ask your mom? Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> ask your mom, he says. <laughs> uh, that's good stuff right there. I'll um, tell you why you need 42 inches. <laughs> <laughs> that's good stuff but uh so um are you guys on your website do you guys sell direct do you guys only sell through retailers how do you sell uh both uh, you can go to mechman.com order whatever you need there's a lot like I said pictures and 360 degree views where you can look at all sides of the alternator and lots of information like i said mentioned earlier the technical resources at the top you can, there's an article on how to find shorter belts. You know, it's got an online belt catalog and some other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all, all the stuff we ad- addressed and there. You can buy direct through the store, right through mechman.com, or you can buy through Down for Sound Shop, uh, Alternator Outlet, Summit Racing Equipment. Um, so so you, I bet you don't uh, don't suggest the help belts. I mean, you can get a belt size off of it pretty easy. That's the ones that you overlap them, you cut them, and you, they oh, put a clamp no. on them. Hell um, no. <laughs> but, I would, I would stock alternator. <laughs> but I will tell you, when you're caught out in the desert and your belt breaks, it will get you where you're going. That's all I'm saying. Off your pants. That's, that was the old trick back yep. in the day. Yeah, pee in the radiator, use your pants. Yeah, all that stuff. I have, I have peed in a radiator more than once. Me also. <laughs> and, you know, so off-road, I, off-road racing and you fill up, you know, I mean, like our cars. And, you know, you use your two, you carry two gallons of water on the car and you put all nothing else left. And yeah, I have peed in radiators before. That has happened. <laughs> yep. No, I, so uh, I drove a lot in, in Reno part of my life where you know i was started driving and whatnot um i was in reno and there's a lot of desert in reno and uh you go out to a lake i graduated from UNR. oh did you awesome what year uh 2005 oh shoot you uh yeah so i go to reno probably once a month at least um my aunt lives right above the soft or baseball field um right there like if you look up the baseball field right up there on that hill she lives right over there. I'm going out. My brother is graduating from UNR. I'm going to be out there second through the fifth. I'll go visit Rusty up in Spanish Spring. Well, when when is that? December second through the fifth. Oh, uh, second fifth. No, I got my anniversary on the fifth. So yeah, I won't be there that weekend. My, something about my wife wants to do something for our anniversary or something silly like that. What? Same. <laughs> And I believe this is either our 30th or 31st anniversary. So that's a long time. It is. Uh, both her and I went to Sparks High. Well, I went to every high school in Reno because I got kicked out of them all. So, but uh, I spent a year and a half at Sparks High. So that was the longest I was at any of the high schools. So. We actually had a facility in Reno for three years. 
yes. I tried to have a facility here and there and it didn't, it didn't pan out. It was getting too expensive and it just wasn't where it was right down the street from, from uh, sky high. Oh, okay. Um, but when I go out there, I'll go visit rusty at DC. So the first reasonably sized system and it's like 2000 watt system that I ever had, uh, was installed by rusty. We had a, when he had a one day yep. install shop. Yep. Sound solutions right there in yep. sparks, right over there off of, uh, Glendale. Glendale. No, we, we still do shows right down the street there at uh, Baldini's uh, for a year. So, um, you know, we actually considered Baldini's as a world finals location this last year. Uh, but, you know, the altitude and whatnot and potential weather made it difficult in October to do a world finals in Reno, obviously. You never know when it's going to snow up, up there all over the pass. You know? Dude, I've, I've been in Reno when it snowed in July. So... Yeah. I've seen it. We always used to do Fourth of July up at Lake Tahoe. Yep. I saw it. I saw it snow two Fourth of Julys in a row. <laughs> up at up at Kings Beach. All right. So we're actually getting pretty dang close to the hour, um, dude. I really appreciate talking with you. Um, Lucky, you want to hit him with the final question here? What is your definition of a base hit? I get like one little thing to say in the whole show, man. Hey, uh, I've been trying to hit at you. I know hey, you're, you're no, not feeling just, it. Today. I'm not in. I'm not in it today. I, just I apologize. Thought, I, just, I just thought you were swiping right on Tinder or something. <laughs> I, don't, I, I was, but I then moved on past that. So. Or is it grinder? I don't, I, don't yeah. know. I don't need to assume anything. All right. No, I'm, I'm past that now. So. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. Yeah, you're good. Uh, so, so my definition of a base head is just someone who embraces the, I guess, you know, they got a $500 Ford Explorer and they put the biggest speakers in Ford and then replace them when they get their next check and they like hanging and just doing their thing, you know, like getting demos, giving demos and lifestyle, you know. Right, right. It, it definitely is a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle. I hear so many people say, I mean, it's however they want to put it, hobby, sport, whatever. To me, it's a lifestyle. I love it. Yep. Yeah. Um. There. But questions? No. No. There's no more questions. I've kind of been just scrolling up and down, up okay. and down. So you know, it goes like popping all. So real quick, uh, are you guys doing a Black Friday sale on your uh, website? We we don't do any sales. Or- be respectful of our dealers okay you know but, but uh, i'm pretty sure all i know an alternator outlet's doing something summit's doing something dropping hertz is doing something i hate I, I can't i hope i'm not leaving anyone out right do you now. have down for uh, sound yeah oh yeah, d- uh yeah so uh d- that guy does crazy sales for black friday and you know yeah, they're all they're all doing so. they're all knocking prices down whole all of cyber week really yeah uh, but you know but we don't we don't do sales direct just because i don't want to you know nope. understand undercut our dealers be respectful of them yep uh and i talked to uh justin hankey today at dc um mm-hmm. and super he good, said dude. yeah he's super good and he said uh he's running a special for his dealers so um you know he can't I can't really disclose what that special is, but your dealer may have a special for you if you want to go talk talk to your local uh, retailer and uh, get some Black Friday deals uh, on DC gear. Also talk to Nick from Incriminator. He's going to have a whole bunch of Black Friday stuff. If you go to his website now, you'll start seeing some of it is popping up uh, from Incriminator. 
Um, Jay's Alarms down in Fresno going crazy with some black. Dude, that guy, he does so much Rockford Fosgate that he gets, I mean, he, he does like the $10 woofer deals just like uh, Best Buy yeah. used to do and stuff like that, you know? Back in the day. Yeah, so he, he, does, he does insane crazy deals. I mean, like literally, Jay will sell a subwoofer amp combo at the cost that he bought it at on a Black Friday sale. So... Jay's um, is definitely the raddest in Fresno. <laughs> I mean, the guy's awesome. He's a great, great time. Uh, um, he's a big supporter of all the DB drag stuff. Even came to World Finals. Comes, comes to all the big shows. You know, um, he's a great guy. Anyway, so he'll be running Black Friday sales. Uh, just, just like I said, so if you guys are in the car audio thing and you guys are looking to buy something or whatnot, look at these people for the Black Friday deals. Uh, and just and if you don't see something, call and ask. Um, I'm sure, uh, Mechman will make some kind of deal with their dealers, uh, and whatnot say, Hey, if they, if one of their dealers called them and said, Hey, I'm running a black Friday sale. Can I work this deal with you? And the kind of deals they work out, um, usually works out for everybody involved, you know, um, you know, we'll money call, back on product and whatnot. We'll call around and ask who has that particular item in stock. Yep. You know, if they call in directly, we will defer you to the person with the best deal or whoever whatever oh that's awesome i that that's great i mean like i said um nothing but respect for you guys like i said uh, mechman's been around a long time uh you guys been doing your thing you've been supporting car audio uh we appreciate that appreciate you guys doing uh what you guys do it's like i said um we're here to support the community as a whole uh you got any last things to say matt before we uh, head on out of here uh, just, you know, thanks, appreciation, you know, for, for giving me a time to run my yapper. <laughs> and uh, I know I know Lucky's not feeling well. I appreciate you coming on, man. I think you added to the show for sure. So just appreciate my, the opportunity. My, lo my looks maybe or something about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I, 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 I apologize to everybody. I'm just today was a bad day. I'm sitting here, my head spinning right now. I can't wait for this thing to be over so I can lay down. <laughs> I, I hope I hope you feel better, man. Take some vitamin C. Yeah. Yeah. So anything else, Lucky? Uh, Lotsofwatts.com. Yeah. Hit you all that my, up, will you? Christmas. You my YouTube your, channel. Your base head buddies. Your base head buddies need his stuff. Yeah. There you go. Lotsofwatts.com. Go to my YouTube channel, Lucky McGovern. Hit the subscribe button and the bell notification. And uh, that's it for me. All right. And for me, um, I want to say uh, happy Thanksgiving to all our uh, viewers and people that tune in later and watch our podcast. And then again, listen to it back on iHeart and whatnot on the uh, the audio only versions. Um, like I said, happy Thanksgiving to you guys. I do know we got a couple shows coming up. We have uh, Fresno Toys for Tots. It's a USACI event um, and then Nyman's. And if you guys don't know what's going on, you guys need to go to Nyman's. It is the best thing ever. I see some angry faces popping up there. Make sure you hit the angry faces on uh, Facebook. Thumbs up, likes. Share it with as many people as you can. Let's help grow the community, grow our show, and make it as good as we possibly can. If you want to tip the host, Lucky and I share that. Remember, it is uh, Venmo at SonicFX and Cash App, dollar sign SonicFX. Put in the notes. Um, tip or podcast or whatever, and we will share that income. I uh, appreciate you guys watching tonight. Um, those people in Barbados, hey, Thanksgiving's where we all get fat and eat turkeys and watch football. That's the 
the uh, gist of that in case you guys aren't familiar with our Thanksgiving. Uh, I do know we have some people over in Germany, and we had a couple of views from Norway last week. So hopefully we continue to grow internationally. I know we got people that watch us from uh, Australia also. So uh, once again, hey, thank you guys for tuning in this week. Uh, thank you to Lucky and Matt for being here with me. And uh, guys, happy Thanksgiving, and we will see you next week, 6 p.m. California time on This Week in Car Audio.